Good evening, and welcome to the Television Graveyard. We are your TV necromancers, Laura Prince and Noah Houlihan. We have come here tonight to examine the spirits of past television shows, to find out what ones could be resurrected, should be resurrected, and which ones should just stay doomed. This will be a podcast in which we analyze the history, the hype, and the aftermath of shows that ran one season or only one episode. This month, we will be exhuming adult animation. With me, as always, is Noah Houlihan. Why is it so hard to be good? I knew you were going to open with that. Of course I was. I've been saying it since we watched this show. Pity me. Why? Why is it so hard to be good? The show just constantly wonders, why is it so hard to be a good cartoon? It is literally the first line of the show. This week, we are looking at 2009's The Good Family, which was a heavily pushed ABC cartoon created by King of the Hill and Beavis and Butthead's Mike Judge, also known for the cult classic films Office Space and Idiocracy. I did not know that. Yeah, it's my job. Cool. I'll tell you stuff you don't know. Well done. One thing learned. Um, That's the earliest I've learned a thing during this show. I, I want to start doing like the air dates and time slot early because we end up having to stop and look them up. Gotcha. Often. Makes sense. Uh, it ran, it was moved to uh, the Friday night death slot, like on the second episode. So it ran Friday night to 8.30, which on ABC is actually not that bad because they usually promote a Friday night block. And it it was a summer show. It ran May 27th through August 7th, 2009. And uh, was briefly shown on Comedy Central. Also not finding an audience there. Cool. That makes a lot of sense. I would understand why people would not watch this show. Uh, this was a tough one, gang. Well, to, to begin... Other than the Fox Network, has a network ever had a successful cartoon? I don't think so. You know, I don't know. Cause, like, I, was I like, don't think so. Because I remember seeing commercials for this in 2009 and thinking to myself, why is ABC showing a cartoon? The AV Club actually mistakenly calls it a Fox show in the initial oh, review. That makes sense. And then like... There's a correction that says, like, excuse me, it's an ABC show, but come on, it looks like a Fox show, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Because I remember they tried to run uh, Batman the Animated Series on the WB in the primetime slot. And it Hmm. didn't work super great, but then found a huge audience in, like, the after-school slot. Yes. And was very successful. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. So... We won't be covering that one, because that was a good show. Yeah, and it ran four seasons. Uh, So, here's what I suggest for this one. Uh, rather than going through every episode, and we'll, we will go through every episode and basically just touch on the plot points and things like that, uh, I want to break down these characters first. Okay. So you know who the, this good family is. Yes. And, uh, you know, what what to expect from them. Because this show has what might be the most infuriating opening scene I've ever seen. Yeah, the opening scene is bad and the show the show does improve slightly from that opening scene but it sets such a bad taste in your mouth immediately 
it's no wonder the show couldn't find an audience yes. because like uh the premise of the show to get there real quick it's essentially liberal king of the hill yes that's that's what it was booked as it was king of the hill for the prius green bag whole food set yeah we're it's supposed to be the other side of the coin right we have gerald who is the head of the household he is a red-headed gentleman with a weird voice that's basically him <laughs> he he works at a college but we had a discussion about him he's an administrator yeah he's not a professor no because we we weren't sure what it was he actually did there uh but he is the one who's the leading this household and uh wants everything to be good so in quite a few episodes we see him showering outside using rainwater right to conserve and it's a plot point in one episode that he yes. does not shower with hot water despite the fact that they have hot water in their home. And he is voiced by Mike Judge, much like Hank Hill was. Yeah. So we, I can kind of see the parallels there between Hank and Gerald, in that, like, they are turned up to the extreme in these values. Right. And you can kind of understand them. However, Gerald is not our main character. No. I would definitely say his wife is more of the main character, and she is terrible. Yes. Helen Good. And she... Huh. Let, let's just go there immediately. Our first thought after watching this first episode was, we should watch King of the Hill. Yes. Like, we... Because we immediately were like... We watched the first episode and we're like, I don't like any of these humans. They're all terrible. Because... Uh, the way they introduce Helen is she is working in the garden, mm-hmm. and then she's very excited to go to the expensive supermarket. Yeah, your Whole Foods uh, clone. Yes. And th- th- there's a good visual gag where they show apples, and it's like organic, and then it's like organic plus. Yeah. Then- and like th- they become more and more like less pesticides and more like organically grown and they become more and more expensive it's like organic locally grown yeah fair trade and they become more expensive and they start to look worse right as you go i was like all right that's a good bit and there's a good gag when you go into the store there is a uh, good and bad board kind of like making the pastiche of when you read studies every other day something Mm-hmm. Like, oh, coffee's going to kill you. Oh, you should be drinking three cups a day for your heart. Yes. And there's a good gag where farm-raised catfish, I believe, yes. moves between in yes. like, just back and forth, back and forth, back it, and forth in the shop. It does it the whole series. Anytime you see that board, it's doing that. Yeah, which is and a good gag. It's a good gag, but get used to the idea of them setting up a gag and just continuing to do it. Over and over. Yeah. So Helen Good. Uh, She's is that, a social climber. Yeah. Is a social climber. And her rival is this girl, Margot. Right. And they're constantly trying to one-up each other in how good they are. Helen, it's such a nice surprise to see you shopping here. <laughs> oh, you always say that, Margot. Because it's always true. They're poor. 
Helen's husband works for my husband, Kent, over at the college. With. Our husbands work with each other. Yeah, and it must be said that Margot is the wife of Gerald's boss. Yes. So there's she, a tenuous connection. Yeah, so there's this this natural rivalry between them. And they set up this, like, intense moment where uh, she's out of... She's buying the groceries, and she had just enough money to buy the groceries. Yes. But she forgot to bring her reusable grocery bags, and it's the worst thing in the world. 146.57. Here's $150. Do you have reusable bags? No. Well, I mean, yes, of course. Just not with me now. Hmm? <gasps> oh. Right. Do you want to buy one? It's for the earth. I see. So what will it be? Paper or plastic? <laughs> Nothing. Load me up. I know a lot of people are comfortable shopping with reusable bags, but I'm not. They're made in sweatshops. Oh. Yeah, because they charge for bags, and she doesn't have enough money to get another reusable bag. Yeah, it's because they're $10 a piece. So, so, so they say paper or plastic, and they act like she stabbed a kitten. And then she's like, oh, just load, the, load me up. Just put it in my arms. I heard those bags were just made in sweatshops anyway. And everyone freaks out and drops their bags. Mm -hmm. And it is a good, like, the phrase virtue signaling did not exist yet mm -hmm. when The Good Family aired almost a decade ago. But it the whole show, Helen's entire character is based on virtue signaling. Mm -hmm. It's based on, she doesn't really care how good she actually is. She cares how good you think she is. Yes, and this is my major problem with this show. Is at first I thought like, oh, th this relationship with Margot doesn't make sense because I don't know why Margot is evil. Right. Like, why are we cheering against Margot? And then as it moved on, I was like, no, the issue is I don't want Helen to win. I spend all the whole show with Helen thinking she's awful. Yeah. Like, I want her to lose. It's protagonist center morality. Yeah. And learn a lesson. And this is the problem when you compare it to King of the Hill. You know, both of these characters are set in their ways. Hank right. Hill and Helen Good. But Hank is doing all these things that he believes are right for the good of his family. Right. Helen Hill is doing all the... Or oh, Helen good. good is doing all these things she believes is right for status. Yeah, I I definitely believe that. I think there's... One of the biggest issues with the show is that you can tell the writers, particularly, obviously, Mike Judge, Mike Judge cared about the Hills. Yes. In a way, we never get the sense he cares about the goods. Mm -hmm. uh, we have the classic two children. Uh, should we start with the brother or the Are sister? Are they classic? I mean, a lot of these shows have two kids. Yeah, so there's two you're, kids. Essentially, you're Bobby and Luann. Mm -hmm. Now, I have a conspiracy theory we're going to discuss here, so let's go through these. There's Ubuntu. Yes, who, named after the Linux operating system. Who is... Uh, an they, the Goods wanted to adopt an African child. And when they 
go to pick him up from the orphanage or whatever. I think it's from like a Western Union. Yeah. Like yeah a, it might have been a Western it's Union. It's a sight gag. Uh, when they go to pick him up, it turns out it's a white child. It was, Their parents were slave traders? Um, no. Don't. Or don't. poacher? Po- oh, no. No, stop. Uh, <laughs> they're from South Africa. They're Afrikaners, which are of Dutch, uh, which are of Dutch descent. Yeah, but I thought it was also clear that his parents were evil. They're racist. Because okay. South Africa's like apartheid. Okay, okay. Um, that's why they keep saying, like, your parents were terrible racists. Okay, okay. I thought I thought it was more than that. So Ubuntu is uh, adopted by the goods, and they want to keep his African culture. So he's dressed in, like, African wear, but, like... African gift shop wear. Yeah, like... Like like a shirt that has Africa on it. Like, if you go to a rip-off version of Epcot... Yes. Like, not actual Epcot, which they research, but, like, if you go to, like, you know, New Jersey does Epcot. (laughs) That's what they're wearing. He's wearing, like, a t-shirt with Africa on it. Yeah. Like, it's very ham-handed. Yeah, it's, it's not... It's not great, which is the point. And he fully believes in being good. Yes. He he believe you know, he's a strict vegan. He doesn't like breaking rules. He has a weird thing where he really likes machinery. Yeah, and he's very naturally talented and he's, with it. He's naturally good at it. He's immediately a great driver. He sees someone operate a forklift and immediately wants to play with the forklift. And, like, picks it up immediately, yeah, too. and does great with it. He is completely lawful good. Yes. Like, he follows everything by the book and just, like, loves life. Like, there's an episode where he he discovers bingo. Yeah, and he just likes playing and bingo. And he just likes it. And then he, he's like, oh, you're too young for this, and he gets sad. He kind of has the, the Bobby Hill thing of he keeps picking up uh hobbies that his parents wouldn't approve of and then he is thwarted yeah much like bobby hill tended to be Mm -hmm. anytime bobby picked something up that hank didn't approve of uh they would retcon it out by the hobby just wouldn't work out Mm -hmm. somehow for some reason and they would drop it okay that makes sense even though i kind of think of ubuntu as being more like luann in that someone not biologically part of the family who is still part of the family and is somehow by her very nature, like Luann by her very nature was disappointing to Hank. Yeah. And Ubuntu by the nature of being white was disappointing to the goods. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So just by the basis of like who they are. All right. That's a good parallel. I see that. I did a lot of King of the Hill research for this show. Yeah, you did. We, <laughs> I watched one episode. I also watched that episode. Uh, well, you did more than that, is what I'm saying. Research department head. Uh, then there's Blissgood. Now, Blissgood, to me, is the most confusing character on this show. One, she looks like a someone lazily traced over Haley from American Dead. I, I was going to say Misty. Just because she's wearing the yellow crop top. Yeah, um, I actually thought about this in our first, in like the notes for the first episode of... All of these shows kind of have a heavier set son, Mm -hmm. but a very thin daughter. Yes, an amazingly thin daughter. And I always think of that as being just like that weird animated sexism of like, will we not care about Bliss if she's less attractive? 
Because I was thinking about like Chris Griffin and right. uh, Bobby Hill and, oh God, what's Dan Smith's na- son's name? He's thin. But he's like super dweeby too. He is super dweeby. And then, like, yeah, Chris Griffin. I'm trying to think of who else fits yeah, that mold. I don't know why I can't think of the King of the Hill. Stan? No, Stan's the son. Bobby. Uh, Bobby is the son of King of the Hill. No, no, I'm thinking oh. American Dead. I, I, it's, yeah. yeah. Roger's the alien. Klaus is the fish. Yeah, this is where we are in our lives. I did not watch this show very much because I was not a huge fan of American Dad. Um, yeah, Stan's son is Steve. Steve! Most generic name on yeah. the planet. We couldn't think of it. So, but Bliss, her role in the show is very confusing. And she's my favorite character. Like, out of everyone, she's the one I'd want to hang out with. Because she seems, like, cool. I think the show wants us to like Bliss most out of the family. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bliss is fairly normal for a teenager. Like, she wants nice jeans, and they refuse to give her money for them at one point. And they're like, well, if you want jeans, you're going to have to work for them. And she goes, fine, I'll get a job. Yeah, like, she's super just cool with things. First reaction is not to whine or beg. It's, okay, I'll get a job. Yeah, I'll just get, like, she's not a rebel. Like, she's not, like, the troublemaker who's rebelling against her parents. Because she's still, like, like, she's a strict vegan. She, like, she follows all the ways of her family. But she just kind of wants to have fun and be a kid. But she She won't break any rules to do so. She has little rebellions, like... (laughs) You know, she wants jeans that are not from, like, whatever, save a lot, like, yeah, Walmart like, jeans. Like she wants to... Any other show, it would be either get a job, oh no, not get a job, ugh, or she would steal them. Right. Like, that. that's what, that's the, the sitcom kind of blueprint. The whole thing is that she does end up lying to get that job. So, yeah, but like... She lies about her age because she's only 14. 14 or 15? No, I think she's 15. Oh, she's only 15, so yeah. she doesn't get the job at the uh, Whole Foods clone. Mm-hmm. So she just, on her neighbor's advice, lies, just doesn't say how old she is, and the jean store hires her, and they're like, by the way, you have to wear our clothes, just take whatever you want, they're not good with the inventory. So she does kind of steal them. Yeah. <laughs> but with permission. And it's one of those things where usually the story of the kids is... They break away from their parents. They get in trouble. They learn a lesson. Right. Bliss never really does anything that wrong and thus never really learns a lesson. She just kind of has a good day. Right. <laughs> like, that's her plot. Yeah, cool. Had a good day. Nice. Uh, I mean, she. Uh, they set up in the first episode that her rebellions are to be more conservative than her parents. Like, they set up a sight gag of her reading The Economist. Oh, I didn't catch that. Um, yeah, they set up a side gag in the pilot where she's reading The Economist to kind of show that she's different. And she tries to go to like a purity ball to lash out against her parents because her parents are so aggressively trying to be sex positive. Yeah. Because that's what's trendy and good in parenting right now. Yeah, that it drives her to... To try to be abstinent only. Yeah. But then purity balls are innately very creepy. Mm-hmm.
So, this is a church dance? I thought abstinence was secular. You eggheads. I gotta tell you, Dancing with the Stars has really improved our outreach. And the quality of our dancing. Now, Daddy, you didn't forget the ring, did you? Got it right here, sugar. Uh, ring? For this ceremony, the daughters pledge our virginity, as symbolized by this ring. And then the fathers keep the rings, our virginity, until we need it back on our wedding night. You guys forgot your ring! No problemo, you can have this one. Uh, I don't want your daughter's ring. Don't worry, Reverend Walsh will have more. That's my virginity? And that's the Reverend. I don't want to marry my daughter. I don't want to marry my dad! Oh, God, Mom was right. <sighs> I know. Come on, let's get out of here. <gasps> and she and Gerald flee the purity yeah, ball. I don't want to marry my dad. Uh, so, th this brings me to my conspiracy theory. Okay. Because we had a long discussion while we were watching this of how old are these kids? Right. And what we end up finding out is there's, in the episode where she gets a job, they ask her for her driver's license. And mm -hmm. she says, uh, I don't have one. I'm 15. Right. And Ubuntu says, I'm 16 and gets hired. So there is a year or less between them. There's there's less than a year. Yeah, because he turned 16 in the pilot. Yeah. The pilot episode is his 16th birthday. So for like prior to the pilot, they're the same age. They're 15. Right. Okay. Is Bliss born when they adopt him? Ostensibly, if he's a... Gosh, that's a question. I would assume if they adopted him as a baby. Because they, they adopt him with a baby. So it's not like it's a newborn when they adopt him. So, and... Because I had the thought, what they show the flashback of them picking up Ubuntu, and she's not pregnant. So I was like, so did Bliss or... That would mean that they adopted a baby with a newborn at home. Or they could have adopted uh, Ubuntu and then like got pregnant. Because that's not actually an uncommon phenomenon mm -hmm. for a couple to adopt a child and then miraculously, even though they've had difficulties, become pregnant. Because I had the theory that what we were supposed to get out of this is... Uh, Bliss was kind of neglected. Yes. Because they were so focused on having this African baby uh, that they were so focused on Ubuntu that they didn't really hire, or they didn't really hire, huh. they didn't really uh, pay that much attention to Bliss. Right. Because uh, Bliss is the kind of the rebel, but Ubuntu talks kind of like he's brainwashed. Yeah. Because like anytime... Like, a steak or something is brought up. Ubuntu just goes, well, meat is murder. Right. Like, like someone who's brainwashed. He doesn't have his own opinions. And that's why when something outside is introduced to him, he's immediately fascinated by it. Because his parents were so on top of him, he never had a free thought. Right. So, I had a theory that that's what they were going to go with down the line. I have a theory that they didn't think it through that well. Or, or, yeah, this could just be me being like, oh, lore is important to all shows. Yeah, I don't think lore is that. I mean, they aired these shows out of order. If you notice... Which is so frustrating. And I can't find what the intended order would have been. Mm -hmm. I looked, 
Because in the running order, they already know Mo and Trish. Yeah, which are their lesbian friends in the second episode. They already know them in the second episode, but they meet them in like the fifth or sixth episode. Yes. And on top of that, uh, Bliss says something like, Mom, Dad, you know how you wouldn't let me date Troy because he was 19? Well, based on your arbitrary guidelines, I found a new boyfriend who's 16. And look, there he is. Kevin! Sup, dorks? And I was like, I don't remember seeing that. So I don't know if that was just a line they threw in to make this episode make sense, or if that was supposed to happen in an episode. Right. I mean, they introduce a love interest for Bliss almost immediately, and he pops up in every episode to say one or two pretentious things. Yeah, and I think he's 19. I yeah. think he's the 19-year-old that works at the the World One supermarket. Yeah, and... One Earth. One Earth. One, one Earth. Earth. And he doesn't do very much. He shows up, says something pretentious so we don't forget he exists. Yeah, and that's it. That's the end of him. That brings us to Chase the dog. Or Che the dog. Which is a Simpsons joke that they're trying to stretch out for an entire series. It's a dog, but it's vegan. And he's vegan, but he murders every animal he can mm-hmm. and devours it. Which I always think is interesting because every time they show him, he is skeletal and starved. Mm-hmm. But also, every time we see him hunt, he is successful 98% of the he's time. so hungry. But this is a Simpsons joke. There's a Simpsons joke where they say something like, Animals eat other animals. It's nature. No, it isn't. We taught a lion to eat tofu. <laughs> that is this joke. Yeah. But they're just going to make it last an entire series. Yeah, it's... I mean, one episode does hinge on it. And there's a subplot that hinges on it. Yes. But there's no reason for it. And I don't understand why they keep going with it after the episode where it's a plot point. Yeah, because that's his one character trait. Yeah. I mean, it's a dog, but... Uh, and then... And it's not funny. It's really uncomfortable. Because the dog is perpetually sad and starving. Well, I think... I think... A lot of the audience can detach themselves from the condition of a cartoon dog. Where you are concerned for its health the entire time. I care about the pupper. Even the fake pupper. Yeah. So, uh, that brings us to, uh, Helen's dad. Who is Charlie. Charlie. And this is why I found the opening so infuriating. If you watch the first episode of King of the Hill, it opens with the four guys mm-hmm. standing around an engine. Right. Looking at it and they all go, and drinking a beer going, mm-hmm, 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 yep. Could be the carburetor. Like, in that moment, you know everything you need to know about these guys. Yeah. They're friends. They're trying to fix an engine. They don't know how to do it. They're never going to admit that. And they're going to try to figure it out. Right. Like, you know everything you need to know. The opening of The Good Family <laughs> is uh, them working in their, like, garden. Because they, they're trying to eat their own food. Mm-hmm. Like, create their own food and eat it. Charlie walks in. 
and says something like, I got some grub from the Soul Shack. Man, those folks can make some colored greens. Dad, it's collard greens. Right, and it's collared people. Use your head, Helen. It stinks out here. I'm eating inside. My dad is insane and ignorant and offensive. That's going to be our social interaction throughout this entire series. Right. And then Charlie leaves and does not appear in the rest of the episode. It was just like, we got to establish this character. And there's a cheap uh, colored people versus people of color. Mm -hmm. And then like collard greens. It's like this belabored collard greens, colored people pun. Yeah, it didn't work. And then they like spend way too long trying to dance around asking their black neighbor what he prefers to be called. Yeah. That's the whole cold open. And like, I think they wanted to establish that character because he's voiced by one of the Murray brothers. So Mm -hmm. they kind of got a celebrity to do it. But he's not a plot point in the pilot. No. So like, they were like, we need to introduce him even though he doesn't matter. Right. Which is so infuriating. So those are our characters. Let's run through what happens in this pilot and everything. We talked about the pilot already. Yeah. The pilot's the purity rings. And And Ubuntu learning to drive. He's allowed to drive drive in emergencies, which there immediately is because he has to go rescue his father and sister from the purity ball. Yes. That's pretty much it. Uh, then we have the football episode, and which is clearly out of order. Which is clearly out of order because this is a fish out of water story. This is yeah. the goods in a situation where they're surrounded by football and they're uncomfortable with it. At least Gerald is because Helen comes from a football family and is having flashbacks. Oh my god, I'm so dumb. The Wikipedia actually has the production codes on it. I found the running order. Oh, okay. So, oh my god, they aired these... So out of order. Dear Lord. Okay. Alright, so... It's so, the second aired and it was supposed to be the... It was the supposed to be the sixth. That makes so much sense because seeing a fish out of water story doesn't make sense if you don't know these characters. If you don't know the fish or the water. So, and like... All this does is because Helen's arc in this is she grew up in a football family, used to really care about football, and used to be an insane football fan, and is afraid that if she's around football, she'll go back to it. Yeah. So she's like trying, she's like yelling horrible things at the other team. Yeah. She wants to go like steal their mascot and stuff. But at this point, we haven't established her character at all. So this isn't strange to us. We already just don't like her. And the B-plot is Bliss being worried about getting into college because she's, you know, got a, like, 3-6 GPA. And she's very worried about getting... And I assume being 15 or so, she'd be a sophomore. Yeah. She, again, Bliss just being cool is just like, I'd like to get into a better college. And it's funny because looking at this from an actual, like, standpoint... She does so much community service and... That's all she does. She would have such an easy time getting into most schools. Because they, she tries to take a college class? Is that what happens in She ends point? up taking a class at the school where Gerald works. Yeah. And ultimately is banned from campus for pulling a fire alarm. Yeah, which is because she didn't want to go there, so it all works out. Yeah, she snaps and pulls a fire alarm. So then uh, they... What happens in episode three? Uh, episode three... 
uh, Helen's trying to run like an animal adoption drive. This was supposed to be the second uh, episode aired. Okay. Helen tries to run an adoption drive to get her father's attention and ends up with this rare endangered animal. Yes, Gutterball. Dad! What are you doing here? I was sitting around the condo with your mother and I realized maybe I do need a pet. Really? And you came to me for help? Yeah. What the? Now, what's this big guy's name? Oh, Dad, I wouldn't. Gutterball. Perfect. Mm. You like it? (laughs) It's one of my rescues. So maybe I'm not so useless after all, huh? Uh, Maybe. Can I keep it? What? Well, sure. That's, like, disgusting. But her father falls in love with him. Uh, I will admit, I laughed really hard at this episode. <laughs> I found Gutterball to be bad. Just because it was so ridiculous. Yes. Like, everywhere he went, there was, like, a trail of slime that followed him. Yeah, he was disgusting. <laughs> it was just too much. And uh, you, you said you found a, a fan theory about Gutterball. Oh, that Rick Sanchez created <laughs> Gutterball when he was bored. Which is totally believable. And it's like a good, it, I mean, it's actually kind of a cute episode. And then there's a subplot of um, Gerald being tasked with getting rid of the squirrels on campus. And he tries to make like an essential oil blend to drive them away. Mm-hmm. And he thinks it's successful, but really his starving vegan dog ate all the squirrels. And this is a huge problem with this show. You, as a semi-intelligent individual, will 100% of the time figure out what's going to happen before it happens. Right. Like, as soon as they were like, man, there's a lot of squirrels here. I was like, oh, Che's going to eat the squirrels. The minute they were like, Che's going to come to campus, I was like, oh, he's eating those squirrels. He's going to eat all the squirrels. That You just know that's what's going to happen. Absolutely. And that throughout the whole show, like, I don't know how many times where... It was like fading to black for a commercial that I turned to you and was just like, so here's what's going to happen. Absolutely. And it wasn't me just like trying to be smart and just be like, I I bet I have this mystery figured out. It's just like, no, this is so on the nose. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's a sitcom. A lot of sitcoms are kind of like that. This one's just much. The journey is not enjoyable. And I think that's a big problem. I I feel like a sitcom, I don't know the punchline. Oh, I thought you just meant with the plot. But like, like we're supposed to laugh at the fact that Jay ate all the squirrels. Right. But like the fact that I know that at minute four and it doesn't happen until minute 20. Right. It, like that really hurts the show. Like, had, had it been... A one scene thing where mm-hmm. it was like, man, there's a lot of squirrels here. Well, I'm going to try to get rid of them. I'm going to leave Che here. And then the next scene, it's like, hey, there's no squirrels. Fine. Yeah, that's the joke. They take a long time. It's the whole episode. Well, that's what I'm saying. The journey is not enjoyable. Yeah. The next episode, Helen hurts her back when she's organic gardening and the garden foundation's going to come. Yeah, and judge her garden. Right. And then Gerald accidentally uh, takes in a group of gardeners whom he assumes are Mexican. 
this whole thing is confusing because he does he he doesn't want to have to hire gardeners right but with her hurt helen hurt uh he has to but he doesn't want to hire mexicans because it's racist he doesn't want to hire this uh this company that's owned by a white man cuz the staff is all no, he ends up hiring the white guy because he thinks the white guy is going to do the work. Because right. he didn't want to have Mexicans working on his house because he thought that would make him look racist. Yes. And then the white guy shows up, drops off a bunch of Mexicans, and he has a panic attack. Right. It's white guilt. What? <laughs> no, I, I actually kind of get it. It's that uncomfortable, like, white person trying desperately not to be racist but sucking at it. So he's trying to not play into the stereotype of the Mexican gardener. So he tries to hire a white guy so that he doesn't feel like he's taking advantage of a minority. And yeah, so then he kind of says that like, here, I'm not going to pay the white guy. I'm just going to pay you directly. directly. We're going to cut this guy out. And then the Mexicans can't find work. So he just becomes the new white guy. <laughs> yeah, that finds them jobs. He just doesn't take a cut, so he considers that his, like, his whole thing. Yeah. Um, <sighs> and Bl- there's a whole thing with uh, Bliss and Ubuntu trading up, that whole thing of you can trade a paperclip and eventually get a house. Right. And Bliss wants a scooter. And there's a B-plot where Helen's... Pen pal. Her Cambodian pen pal? Yes. I believe she's Cambodian. I now don't remember. Um, But her pen pal comes and, like, is seeking asylum in America. And essentially ends up being a house servant who sleeps in the shed. You know, I thought this was a horrible time for McKinkin to be here, but she is a godsend. She has been so helpful around the house. I know, and she is so grateful to you. You can see it in the way she carries you to the car. Hey, you got a hobo squatting in your shed outside. Where's your fire extinguisher? I'll roust her. In the shed? Sorry, I sleep. No, it's okay. We're not mad, but we made up Bliss's trundle for you. Like it here. Very good. Very much. We can't let her sleep in her potting shed. But we can't impose our Western notion of comfort on her. Making her sleep inside on a bed would be cultural imperialism. Ah, good point. Uh, see, (laughs) here's the problem, folks. This is not a relatable problem. No. Like, when you watch King of the Hill and it's just like, you know... Hank Hill feels weird about his son trying to be in the play. Right. Like, you get that. You can get that a a dad would feel weird about that. And eventually he kind of learns. With The Good Family, so many of the problems are solved by, just don't do that. Right. But they, then they do it. And it's like, oh, well, damn it. <laughs> and this is one of the, like, a common theme through these shows are... uh Helen and Helen and or Gerald has their back against the wall and looks like they're a bad person and is about to like be socially shamed. Mm-hmm. And a Deus Ex Machina 
often but not always in the form of Bliss or Ubuntu, uh, save them. Yes. And saves face. Like, in this one, when the gardening committee comes and they see Helen's pen pal essentially being a house servant, mm-hmm. they're all kind of like, wow, you are a racist colonialist piece of trash. Until Bliss sweeps in and goes like, no, she's just part of the barter economy, which is trendy. Mm-hmm. And so she gives the, uh, the pen pal scooter the scooter that she earned, yeah. so that she drives away into the sunset. And then the Mexican gardeners, and everyone condemns them, oh, you're having Mexican gardeners. They turn out to be Eastern European. Yeah, right. I mean, Romanian. They're Romanian. And they're like, why did you let us think you were Mexican? And the Romanian guy's like, it seemed to make you happy. <laughs> like, did not care. It was, uh But stuff like that happens a lot. Yeah, it's just, it's a problem that no one can relate to. And like... In the next episode, which was supposed to be the fourth aired, but was the fifth aired, Mm -hmm. uh, Gerald and Helen fall in with these, like, trendy, hip, lesbian couple. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Gerald offends them at a party, so they seek out other lesbian friends so that they don't look uh, homophobic. Because everything's, we don't want to look racist. We don't want to look homophobic. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to bring up an interesting point because I noticed it especially here, Mm -hmm. but it does happen throughout the entire series. And I want to know if you noticed this. Did you notice that in almost every episode, Gerald changes his clothes? I did not. In almost every episode, it's like, here's Gerald in his usual like blue and white zipper bike shirt. But then he also has a suit. He also has like this weird orange yellow semi poncho thing that he wears when he's at work. Right. Like his outfit changes throughout the show and Helen is always in that weird white shirt. I it's a really interesting issue this show has to me of they're very obsessed with looking progressive and but the family's incredibly traditional in their gender roles. Yes. Helen's a stay-at-home mom, despite the fact that both of her kids, one of her kids can drive, and the other one's worried about college. So, like, she doesn't really need to... On top of that, Gerald bikes to work. Right. So she has the car, which is a Prius, and doesn't have it. I don't know if it's, like, the millennial in me, but... They were talking about how they don't have any money. Yeah. Like, they constantly talk about how they're poor. But they're always saving. Like, they're always trying to, like, not spend money. I mean, on they go to the store that's super expensive. Yeah. But, like, their water bill's got to be nothing because they collect rainwater. They're constantly growing food in their garden. Like, if you're actually poor, Helen, go get a job. Why don't you have a job? Yeah, there's not really a solid reason that Helen doesn't work outside the home. So she can go on misadventures. And it always feels uh, disingenuous for how progressive and liberal they want you to think they are. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't super make sense that she doesn't work outside the home. Yeah. She doesn't do... And especially with... uh, Especially with current social mores... That's something that has to, at this point, be justified. Being a homemaker to two 
mm-hmm. grown children. Yeah. I mean, the way most shows get around that is having the older kids and then having a baby. It's how Family Guy gets around it. That's how mm-hmm. The Simpsons gets around it, is you have another baby. So everyone's like, oh yeah, mom's home with a baby. Yeah. And like American Dad kind of gets around it that Stan is high-powered enough mm-hmm. that they have money and Francine doesn't have to work. And yeah, they're trying to be that standard American family. So right. she stays and at home and makes an apple pie. Yeah, and their values are such that it makes sense for her as a character to be staying home. Helen, they worry about money a lot, and there's just not really a solid reason for her to not work outside the home. So, when was the lesbian episode supposed to air? It was Because I had the theory that it was supposed to be episode two. Um, no. It was supposed to air, uh, fourth. It was supposed to air two before the football episode. Supposed to air four. Because... My thought was that this episode in particular makes the goods super unlikable because they're just using people for status. And at the end, they do have the face turn where they're like, you know, don't make fun of our friends. We believe in these people. But like this whole episode is just like, oh, these people are gross. Right. So I thought maybe they wanted to bury it in the season. So we established we liked them before this happened. But if... Yeah, I have no idea why everything is so jumbled now. Yeah, they switched that and Helen's back injury episode with the gardeners and the pen pal. I don't really know why. This is super weird. And then the sixth episode to air was Freeganomics, which is the one with the Freegan. Yes. Now, this this is the only episode I saw when it aired. Okay. Because I, I just happened to have it on. And I thought it was kind of funny because it's... They're trying so hard to be good, and a freaking comes up who is completely unwasteful. He survives completely on garbage. But he's a horrific human being. Yeah, it turns out he's horrific, but it does have my favorite bit, I think, in the show, where he picks up garbage from the trash to eat, and Gerald's like, do you want, like, salt? And he's like, no, you wasteful swine. And he cries on it? Yeah. <laughs> To make it salty? I was like, that's a kind of funny bit. There's actually a couple really good bits in this one. There's uh, Bliss and Charlie throw out increasingly ridiculous things to make the oh, Freegan use them. Yes. Like, they find and throw out, like, a baby pink t-shirt that says slut. Yes, so he's wearing a shirt that says slut. Uh, he ends up uh, sleeping with the neighbor Penny. Yeah, and who then throws he... a bunch of like nice food in the trash so they can have breakfast so together. They have breakfast together, which is like kind of a good joke. And this was supposed to air tenth and got pushed up early in the season. I think because it's one of the better episodes. It's one of the better episodes because the whole thing with the freaking is like he wants to read, so he says to Ubuntu, "Like it's a little dark in here, Ubuntu. There's a light right there." Unfortunately, I don't turn lights on. You see, electrical power is merely another unnecessary extravagance. But if you were to turn it on, I would have to live with it. And if someone had TiVo'd housewives, I'd have to watch that too. And then that idea, like, gets pushed further and further to at one point where he says, Hey, Heinrich, can we play catch now? Instead of that, why don't you call your friend, my mom, on speakerphone? (laughs) Yeah, like... Tries to get Ubuntu to go on the internet for him. 
so that he can like watch TV or watch a yes. YouTube video. And he has like a varying amount of kids depending on who he's talking to that he left behind. Yes. And and then he dumps Penny who then yells, I've been thrown away by a man who doesn't waste anything. Yeah, Penny's supposed to be the like sad sack single lady. Yes. And that's her entire character is that she's sad and alone. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's it. What a great... Tra- Everyone's just one trait in this show. It's true. Uh, the next episode, which also was supposed to air later but was pushed up, was uh, when Helen becomes a graffiti artist. Oh, God. This, oh. In this episode, it makes her horrifically unlikable. The whole premise is that Bliss needs to do community service to graduate. This doesn't make any sense because we've seen Bliss do community service repeatedly throughout the episode. Yeah, yeah, she's... Or throughout the series. She's run a a, a dog adoption. She's worked on, like, a Save the Narwhal campaign, an eco-festival. We've seen her do a lot for Helen to freak out. And her internship is kind of a joke. Yeah, she... They... they, Because she wants to go to Cancun. Costa Rica. Or Costa Rica to do something. But, like, that's just a big party. Yeah, it's, like, the service trip, but it's really just everybody goes and parties the whole time. So they have her clean up graffiti. But when she goes to where she cleans up graffiti, it's just somebody playing, like, Unreal Tournament on the computer. And she's like, hey, are you cool? Because there's no graffiti. I will still give you credit for what you're supposed to do. We're just going to hang out. Yeah, and they play ping pong. and Yeah, like, they play foosball. Foosball, excuse me. <laughs> and uh, Helen finds out and wants to give her work to do. So she sprays graffiti on a park, which is the dumbest thing I could ever think of. Just like, I'm going to make a mess for you to clean it. Also, if you're so good, would you use something that's aerosol? They even say that. Oh, do they? Yeah, uh, Gerald calls her out for using uh, completely non-eco-safe paint. Oh. All right. Um, Yeah, no, but, like, Gerald calls her out. She never, like, realizes it's bad. And then the art is assumed to be an urban artist who becomes, like, their town's Banksy. Yeah, so because it's now about status, she's all about being this rebel and, like, she kind of tells Bliss not to uh, remove it so quickly, not to remove it right away, and stuff like that. Like, it all becomes about Helen needing attention and status again. And then the end of it is Helen gets arrested because she takes credit for it, mm-hmm. and because it's not a trendy urban artist, mm-hmm. she's just a vandal now. Yeah, so. They give her community service. Right. So she has to now clean their graffiti. Mm-hmm. And Bliss goes and helps her. And Bliss says something like, yeah, my community service is over. I'm just doing this because it's good. I was like, okay. She kind of learns the lesson anyway. And she's like, yeah. And I ratted Kathy out that uh, there's no gra- uh, graffiti here, so... You know, that's the government's problem now. It's like, yeah, so they wait, ra- wait a minute. So they rat out this government employee and she loses her grant funding. Yeah, this woman who was like, hey, are you cool? I will be cool to you if you were cool to me. This is my job. I have it set up pretty good here. 
if there actually is graffiti, they deal with it. But if there's not, we're just going to chill. And Bliss gets her fired. <laughs> yeah, and if not blacklisted for a fraud. Yeah, that's not a good thing. That's a damn shitty thing. Yeah. Um, the next episode is the one with the chili restaurant. There's Cranky's Chili, who makes meatless chili, but it has chicken in it. This episode's terrible. Yeah, like... Like, I really don't want to... Like, we're already 48 minutes in or so, so I want to just kind of... The dog ends up at this meat restaurant and starts being well-fed. And they try... Like, he, they basically lose the dog to this man. Uh, see... Yeah, like, Cranky likes Che, and Che likes the fact that Cranky is feeding him meat. The, the whole point of this show is they don't learn a lesson, but they think they did a good thing. Yeah. And what ends up happening here is Cranky wanted nothing more than to win number one at the Chili Jamboree or whatever the hell, hell it was. Uh, but because of the good family ends up with a spinal injury? I forget what happens, but he gets injured and is in the hospital. Right. Oh, he has a heart attack because they're they're so annoying to him. Yes. Uh, so now the goods have to go present the chili. To make it up for this man. And they make horrific vegan chili. So they make actual vegan chili. It is horrific. Everyone hates it. But there's no category for vegan chili. So it wins first place in the vegan category. So technically they do win. So it ends with Cranky and the Good Family sitting eating this chili that is not good but vegan. And everyone else in the restaurant leaving because it's not good anymore. So they feel like they've succeeded, but they've ruined this man's restaurant. Yeah. And that's the theme throughout this and show. And they're back to starving their dog. Yeah, and the dog's back to being unhappy. Um, next, Her- Helen and Gerald run an after-school program. Uh, Ooh, this one. Yeah, they run an after-school program for at-risk youth, and they introduce them to photography, and uh, they take a bunch of photos with these kids, and then... They decide to put up an exhibition of the photos and get the kids kicked out of their gang. And then without gang protection, they start getting beat up. Yes. And then uh, Ubuntu joins an eco-terrorism group. <laughs> Accidentally. Because he, he thinks they're his friends. Mm-hmm. And I honestly can't remember what Bliss did in this episode. I think this is the episode where she's trying to get a job. No. No, I don't think she's in this episode. Oh, no, this is the one where she starts the fake ID ring. Oh, she starts making fake IDs to be popular. And, and it, Charlie just joins her. And it works. And then, like, then, then everyone has a fake ID, so it stops working. And then that's kind of the end. Like, she doesn't learn a lesson. She's just kind of like, uh, oh, well, that's a cool thing I had. Yeah, she literally says, like, oh, after I stop doing stuff for them, they don't want to be my friend anymore. What else can I do for them? Yeah. So she learns nothing. And then, uh... So, but th- this is important. Uh, they, they stop Ubuntu from committing terrorism thanks to the help of these kids that yeah. were in this art class. And it gives them street cred. So this this episode is super on the right path, okay? The good family teaches something to inner city kids it works for them, and they become better people. However, it uh, 
it hurts their street cred. The inner city kids then teach the good family the importance of street cred. So both characters, both groups of characters are learning Mm -hmm. and improving. And it ends with them all at the house. And they basically repeat what I just said to each other. Right. They they leave with mutual respect, and then the kids steal their television. It's like, uh, uh, oh, oh, ew. Yeah, it's very unfortunate implications. Yeah. Like, it's, oh, we all learned a thing. Oh, those minority children still. Yeah, they're still vandals. <laughs> yeah, like, they're still, you know, rough inner city kids. It's very, for a show that is, uh supposedly like about a liberal family it deals very heavily in stereotypes yeah uh the next one is the public radio episode which was supposed to air much earlier yeah and i i i have huge issue with this one as well this one just this one's just not very good yeah it's it's really boring yeah like i don't have a lot of notes on it because what ends up happening is gerald wants public radio yeah because it's, it's, you know, it's good to have, like, an NPR. So he, he does, like, a telethon. Because they have to raise $100,000 to have their own station. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he goes to an old woman who he convinces to give him the whole $100,000. He doesn't convince... He convinces her to donate, and then she shocks him by yeah, donating the whole $100,000. Whole $100,000. Uh, and then I immediately say, she's going to lose her house. Yeah, you were like, that's all her money. Something's going to happen. And they get a radio. It's fine. And what do you know? She starts to lose her house. Yeah. On top of that, Gerald is not seeing that public radio is not what she thinks it is. Like, they're they're making money through advertisements. It's a lot of syndicated programming. It's not all yeah. local programming. But, like, they they don't call them advertisement. They call it, like sponsorship spots or something to confuse him uh it's essentially a franchise yeah so gerald goes up to his boss and uh this like very famous public radio figure and is like hey we need to give money back to this old woman she's going to lose her house and the answer he kind of gets is we'll take care of it you have a new job, and it's keeping us honest. And he makes Gerald basically stay at home and listen to the radio and take notes to give to them as, like, feedback. Yeah. And then the episode ends. And Gerald is stupid enough to think that's, a, like, an honor. Yeah, to, to think that he's doing good. And then the episode ends, and as the credits are rolling, I looked at you and went, So did the old woman get her money? No, I think the ostensible thing is that <laughs> Gerald is so stupid that he is easily bought off with this job and he trusts people too much and this old woman ends up homeless. So that's at least two people whose lives they've ruined yeah, completely. This show and at is... least three other people that are, are definitely have a less quality of life because of these people. Yeah. Uh, the next one is... Uh, Helen is banned from the grocery store for accidentally... Uh, stealing what she thought was a free sample. Yeah, and this one's just gross. This one really drives home the fact that 
she doesn't care about the environment. She only cares about the status. Yeah. Because she has to go to, like, the big and save. Yeah, which is like... It's a Costco. It's idiocracy Costco. Yeah. And she's just ashamed. And that's all it... Like, they're, they're saving so much money. Things are so much better. But she, she says things like, One Earth is a lifestyle. Oh, shut up. And this show has a plot hole you could drive a truck through. In the in that episode, Ubuntu gets a job at One Earth, so they could also still be eating One Earth food for less money now. Yeah, just have Ubuntu get it. Because we've established in another episode, Ubuntu and Bliss going grocery shopping without their parents. Oh. So, like, there's literally no reason for this episode to happen. Mm-hmm. I also had the thought, like, oh my god, Ubuntu has a job. Think about the income this family will have now. Yeah, because Ubuntu doesn't have a lot of needs. He would just give everything back to the family. Yeah. If if they used his paycheck exclusively to buy stuff from One Earth. Yeah. Like, their family budget would quadruple. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Oh, it's so dumb. Yeah, it's got a it's got a plot hole you could drive a truck through. And then... The last two episodes that air aired the same night, which is always a good good yeah, sign. Yeah, they're, they're trying to burn them off. Uh, and the show was announced as being canceled literally the next day. That makes sense. Um, and it's Gerald adopts a highway, which is supposed to be the third episode aired, but it's not uh, that great of an episode. Well, they're they're trying to establish that they're poor. Because he's trying to save up a thousand dollars so that they can go on vacation, and the vacation was them yelling at whalers, like they wanted to go to a protest. Yeah, it was essentially like a cruise centered around abusing fish fishing boats. Mm-hmm. But instead, he spends that thousand dollars adopting a highway that a prison group is already uh, assigned to clean up. Mm-hmm. And they're running a heroin wing, ring through whatever their Mountain Dew version is. Yeah. So, so these these bottles. So basically the prisoners would go pick up these bottles and then bring the drugs back to prison and s- sell drugs. Uh, in, so now Gerald is there and is kind of ruining this because he's picking up the bottles and recycling them. So the whole time, Gerald thinks the prisoners are upset because uh, he's stealing their recycling money. Which is like a quarter a bottle. And the inmate thinks that Gerald knows about the drugs and is selling it and making their own. So what ends up happening is there's this weird like Godfather parody. So you are all going to sit down and have some vegan stew. What? I said sit. Now. Don't make me say it again. You mean sit on chair. Sit! He must be the enforcer. I'm more worried about the quiet guy with the stick. Remember what De Niro did with that bat and the untouchables? Now, this all started because we wanted Route 9 and you wanted Route 9. Now, we can keep butting heads over it, but in the meantime, nobody is cleaning up. Nobody is getting any bottles, and that's not good for anyone, is it? No, I guess not. I'm not eating this. Now, what if I told you that there was a way we could pick up even more bottles? I'm listening. My vegan stew will do that to people. 
Now, here's my proposal. We take Route 9. You get your own road. Maybe get two or three. That way, you can get more inmates involved. If you branch out, you could have the whole area except Route 9. That's my family's. So we all make money. Stop focusing on the money. That's your problem. Focus on the work and the money will follow. There's lots of bottles out there. Yeah, but Dean handles all the business. Well, then Dean should be focusing on the business of getting the job done and less on the business of hate. One person can make this world into whatever they want if they are willing to change the way they look at it. So he has his highway that he cleans. The other inmates expand their heroin ring. It's important to note here that the other inmates are neo-Nazis. Are Nazis, yeah. So they start, like, becoming friends with gangs of other races. Yeah. So that, like, the warden, for some reason, was like, Oh, Gerald Good caused racial harmony in the prison. Through heroin. They don't know that part. <laughs> they never... You sounded like Gerald the way you said it. They don't know that. Yeah, but, like, the Good and the warden don't know that part. <laughs> like, they just don't. So they just think that Gerald did a good thing, but really they've introduced an opioid crisis to their area. And maybe that just didn't age well, but this a lot is of the show all doesn't. really gross. But uh, the inmate is voiced by Johnny Knoxville. Yeah. And then the final episode is A Good Man is Hard to Find, which is about how Gerald thought the lesbians wanted a child from him. And then he wasn't manly enough, so he tries to get more manly. Yeah, and this was the last episode produced as well. Uh, so it it is the last episode run and the last produced. So this was their season finale. Yeah. It's just bad. It's, like, yeah, like nothing... It's lazy gender stereotypes. I, I think at this point they realized that we don't like Helen. Mm-hmm. She's so, barely in this episode. Yeah, it's not a Helen-centric episode. Now, I will say that in the end, Gerald shows a different way of being a man by, like, encouraging Mo and Trish's son to be in touch with his feelings. Yes. Yeah, the, yeah someone actually learns a thing. Yeah. Uh, so the show is just pretty bad. It was not received super well. Dear, dear listener... Uh, that was all 13 episodes of the show that we just skimmed through. How many times did we bring up Charlie? Really Twice? just the gutterball episode. Just the gutterball episode. Yet, for some reason, it was super important that they establish him in that first episode. Yeah, the show is just... Uh, the reception of the show was pretty bad. Uh, the AV Club hated it. Um, it... The common thing, and I looked at, like, even Common Sense Media, which skews a little more conservative, and they liked it. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the conservative angle was that it didn't go hard enough on the goods. Okay. And a lot of the liberal and moderate response was like, this is stupid and boring. Well, I think you hit the nail on the head after, I think, of the first or second episode. You turned to me and said, these aren't people. No. This felt like a modern-day SNL sketch that just drags too long. They the, never felt like whole people. That, that, that was what I was going to say. This series is the episode of South Park where uh, Gerald, uh, <laughs> surprisingly, uh, who's Stan's father, gets a Prius. Gerald is Kyle's father. Gerald is Kyle's father, you're right. 
Daryl Dews, Kyle's father, buys a Prius, and because of that, uh, starts to enjoy the smell of his own farts. Yes. Because he thinks he's so good. That one episode accomplishes more than these 13 do. It's, that's absolutely true. It's, uh, it's such just a waste. Yeah, you definitely get the impression that Mike Judge and the other writers don't like the goods, and it spills over. And the problem that we run across in a lot of these shows so far is we are not given enough of a reason to care about these people. No, like, because they never feel human. I never relate to them. And there is an issue of just being like, why would someone write the exact opposite of their wheelhouse? Like, if King, like it's like it's the opposite of King of the Hill. Well, why would you do that? Like, why would, like, uh, uh, Josh Whedon be like, we're going to do the anti-Buffy. It's going to be a straightforward drama with no supernatural elements, you know, that doesn't deal with hard issues, but, you know, it's just, you know, and it takes place in a nursing home. It's like, well, that's the opposite of everything that's good that you do. Right. It's... We never feel like they're committed to making the goods people. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge problem in the show. And it does the sitcom trap of status quo is God. Mm -hmm. So nothing changes from episode to episode. No, nothing. Like, and this is the thing that bothers me. If it's in order, there is continuity. Mm -hmm. It is, we meet the lesbians and now the lesbians are friends of ours. Mm -hmm. You know, there is, you know, Ubuntu can drive. I believe Gutterball does show up later. Gutterball does return at one point. Yeah. Like, so there is some sort of continuity, which makes you kind of think there's supposed to be an overarching story here, but it just fails in every aspect of this show. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. And yeah, you can tell that Mike just, just doesn't like these people. No. One of the reviews I saw read that the show was actually too late. Okay. Because the show's about, like, political correctness gone mad. Mm-hmm. By 2009, we've sort of, like, treaded over that. hmm And, like, it was old, old hat to make jokes about. Yeah. And, um, as a follow-up, in 2010, in January, so about four or five months after its cancellation... Uh, it ran Monday nights in Comedy Central, and they were going to make new episodes if it did well. I don't see why it would ever do well. And we are uh, doing this episode, so guess what, guys? <laughs> it didn't do well. It stayed doomed. Well, here's the thing. that I have one theory for why this show does not, like, had major issues. Mike Judge did Beavis and Butthead. Yes. His other successful shows after that feature characters from Beavis and Butthead. Yes. Because Hank Hill, I, I, he might not actually be named Hank Hill in, in Beavis and Butthead, but it's clearly Hank Hill. Right. Shows up in Beavis and Butthead. Daria, or Diarrhea, uh, is a very successful show. Yeah. Spin off of, of Beavis and Butthead. Mike Judge had already spent time getting to know that character and then could spin them off. Yes. The Good Family 
would have been an excellent episode where they move in next door to Hank Hill. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, and without like that already like stamp in reality that they had, like we're starting off so fresh that he clearly doesn't know what to do. Right. Yeah, it do- he concedes the show doesn't work in a later interview. Yeah. Because uh, they interviewed him around when uh, Beefs and Butthead was revived. Right. I forgot that came back. Um, And he concedes that the show didn't work, but doesn't seem to really get why. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think we're going to just go ahead and say, this one's got to stay doomed. I can't figure I- out how to save this show without gutting it and starting over entirely. I'm changing everybody so much that the show is not recognizable anymore. Yeah. I, Because I, one thing I talk about on the show is finding footing. And, mm-hmm. like, it definitely never does. And Correct. I think if it did, I still don't think it would be great. However, I feel like if you were to watch one episode in a vacuum and someone was to come up to you and say, this is my favorite cartoon. Check out The Good Family. And then you watched one of them. You could believe that... The show is good and I call it a bad episode. Yeah. Like, I think if you watch one episode, you can see the potential in it. Okay. But it's it never finds it. So I'm going to also say, stay doomed. There's too many problems with it. Absolutely. But, like, you can tell that he tried, but not his hardest. No. Yeah, this was just a very... King of the Hill was ending right around when the show was picking up. And it it feels like this was just like, well, we already did conservatives. Let's just do liberals now. Yeah. Let's try to turn it the other way, but follow our, our usual uh, structure. But it, man, doesn't, they fail. it doesn't quite work because it's, uh, I bet you if you got 10, like a writer's room of 10 people in their late 20s and early 30s, they could write. About a family of liberals. Mm-hmm. But he's just, you know, an older... He seems to lean fairly conservative. Uh, he's not writing what he knows anymore. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't, like... The best way to parody something is from the inside. Yeah. And he never gets inside. So this is a stay doomed. So, um... Parody's also done with a place from a place of love. And there's no love here. Right. And also, there's a joke in almost every episode where their fireplace is boarded up that says, don't kill wood. And they thought it was such a good joke, they try to show it in every episode. And by the third time I saw it, I, it infuriated me every time I saw it. It's not good. So this one's going to stay doomed. So what's next? We're, uh, we're two done and two buried again. <laughs> um, next week, we are watching the extremely short-lived... 2004 UPN animated sitcom. It's a computer animated sitcom called Game Over, featuring the Smash and Bo- the Smash and Burn family, and the the voice cast is amazing. Like, it's got really good voice casting. So I'm kind of I got some high hopes for this one. Yeah. So the likes of Patrick Warburton, oh. Lucy Liu. We'll do my dead-on Patrick Warburton impression again, And uh, Artie Lang and Rachel Dratch. Oh, wow. Yeah, this has got a really solid voice cast, so I'm kind of hoping we have not watched an episode yet. We're going to get to that probably tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, this one's only six episodes, and it's uh, it's all on YouTube. Yeah. 
Oh, excuse me. Five episodes aired, but all six are on YouTube. Cool. I'm excited. Yeah. You can always follow us on at Stay Doomed on Twitter or Stay Doomed on Facebook. And if you have suggestions or know where I can find Megan Wants a Millionaire, email thestaydoomedshow at gmail.com. And if you have suggestions for next month, which is spoopy month. Which we will need five suggestions because there are five Mondays in October. Oh, there's going to be a bonus. So be excited for that. So give us your spoopy ideas as well. Until next time, stay doomed.